Hello and welcome to Agape Latte. Agape Latte is a storytelling series for students that features personal stories delivered by a faculty member, staff member, or administrator at the University of Dayton to share lessons about their intersection of faith and everyday life. Presenters use story sharing to help students explore how their passions, strengths, and gifts can be used to make the world a better place. Listen with an open mind and heart to hearing God working in your life and in the lives of others. Arilla Burnside is the Executive Assistant for University Advancement. Her friends in Dayton think she has a slight Southern accent, and her friends in, in the South think that she speaks like the Buckeye she is. She was terrified of animals until she was in her 30s and now couldn't imagine life without a pet. And she will never have enough books. Good evening, Agape Latte and friends. I have to say that I love your name. It makes me crave, well, you know. I appreciate the opportunity to share a brief overview of my faith journey with you tonight. I'd like to start with a short poem by Jan Richardson concerning broken hearts. It's related to my story and to the Lenten season, which begins next Wednesday. It's called Rend Your Heart. To receive this blessing, all you have to do is let your heart break. Let it crack open. Let it fall apart so you can see its secret chambers the hidden spaces where you have hesitated to go. Your entire life is here, inscribed whole upon your heart's walls. Every path taken or left behind, every face you turned toward or turned away, every word spoken in love or in rage, every line of your life you would prefer to leave in shadow every story that shimmers and those you have yet to find. It could take you days to wander these rooms, 40 at least. And so let this be a season for wandering, for trusting the breaking, for tracing the rupture that will return you to the one who waits, who watches, who works within the rending to make your heart whole. I greet you tonight from Kettering, Ohio. I'm a Daytonian since 19 and something. My family consisted of my mom and dad, two younger sisters, one of whom had special needs. Although humor and music were important in our family, my parents were a bit strict and really with a sibling who needed a lot of care, there just wasn't much room for acting up. And I think that my sister and I realized that. We were three times a week church attenders in a loving community of a small church. And my parents raised us with the belief that the spiritual aspect of life was essential to life itself. My father was my spiritual mentor and I respected and looked up to him. All of my growing up years, my life was pretty contained. Like the obedient eldest daughter that I was raised to be, I soaked up the study of the Bible and listened carefully to what I heard at church. In addition to an early awareness of God, 
My faith was strong and I depended on it to help me live my best life. So I didn't stay in Dayton. I like to say that by God's grace, I got to live in the South for 20 years. Here's to early spring wildflowers and sweet iced tea with lemon, both of which I learned love from my time spent below the Mason-Dixon line. Now here's some details of how my journey down I-75 South came to pass. I met my husband-to-be during his senior year at Ohio State. We dated, became engaged, and he traveled to interviews around the country. He decided to land in Chattanooga, Tennessee when he was hired by the same accounting firm that his accountant grandfather had worked in many years before. So I was a young bride, I was happy, I was full of love and hope for our life together. I had a bit of culture shock in Chattanooga and it was not just those wonderful Southern accents. For the first time in my life, I was around a lot of people whose faith journeys were different from my own. That was challenging and my faith grew up a little bit as I learned to reason my beliefs and see God from a slightly different angle. All was well, I thought, until a few years later when I found myself unwillingly separated from my husband and he filed for divorce. Rejected and devastated and eight hours away from my family, what was I going to do? Well, God provided a wonderful home for me in a house with a couple of women from my large church's singles group. They had been neighbors of ours and had stayed in touch. One of them invited me to move in and stay for as long as I needed. I outlasted her and several others when I left the house about six years later having had a variety of fun and interesting housemates. The community I experienced was uplifting and helpful as I walked the road of heartbreak. I remember the day I vowed not to be bitter about my ex-husband or my divorce. I seemed to know that harboring hate would really end up just hurting me. In that large church I mentioned, I began to learn more about the grace of God, an attribute that was largely missing from my childhood religious upbringing, at least as I experienced it. One thing I often heard at the Chattanooga church was the pastor's comment, God intends you better than you intend yourself. Oh, I wanted to believe that, but it was not easy for me to believe. I still had an underlying automatic idea that God was an old guy who was just waiting for me to make a bad decision. I was helped through the tough days and weeks and months of recover, from recovering from a broken heart through the divine provision of a busy job in a newspaper classified advertising department 
and a busy social life with an amazing group of friends from that large church. I learned that I was not meant to get through life without community. It's a lesson that keeps informing me. In six years, I was flying to Winston-Salem, North Carolina for a job interview. My manager and mentor had promoted me within the Chattanooga Classified Department and helped me gain a presence in the Southeastern Classified world by sending me to regional meetings and coaching me on meeting people and developing a network. And those North Carolina newspaper marketing people were savvy. They knew how much my church and the friends at my church meant to me. So in addition to various casual interviews, a drive around the area, and a very nice dinner with the leaders of the newspaper advertising team, they arranged for me to be picked up at my hotel on Sunday morning and taken to a church of the same denomination that I was a member of in Chattanooga. Smart. The offer in North Carolina included a promotion and an increase in salary. That was attractive, yet could I leave those friends that I'd come to love and be loved by? A class in decision-making offered at my church proved timely, and my closing thought on the move became, since God provided friends in Chattanooga, the same would be true if I moved. So I headed across the mountains of East Tennessee and Western North Carolina, my belongings having gone ahead of me, and I made my one overnight stay in those mountains that I had come to love. I continued to lean on the grace and mercy of God as I went about learning the lay of the land as the new manager of the Winston-Salem Classified Inside Sales Department, replacing a beloved older woman who had retired and who had held the post for many years. No pressure there. A new younger face and a Yankee to boot. About a year into my Carolina stay, I began dating a man within our department and we eventually married. He was a preacher's kid. Our upbringings were very similar and I just felt like I'd come home. The church I was attending was one I felt comfortable in, yet it was not much like the church I grew up in. I continued to explore my still somewhat skewed view of who God was. I began working with a wise spiritual director and it enriched my personal life and my professional life. And it reinforced the idea that I could really do my job by the golden rule with honesty and transparency as I related to colleagues up and down and across the ladder. And this was the result of gaining confidence in the woman I had been created by God to be. About eight years down the road, the marriage ended at my husband's request. How I dreaded the days ahead as I knew the heartache that was in store.
because of course love doesn't just end because a piece of paper is signed. And it was difficult to lose a second chance at a life that I had counted on as being for the rest of my life. About a month after my separation, my parents were visiting from Ohio during Christmas and my father died unexpectedly while in Winston-Salem. More shock, more devastation. So I had two things to grieve at the same time. Months later, a colleague told me that she received a scary health diagnosis along with some other bad news. And she wondered to herself, is my life turning into Erla's life? I certainly had the opportunity to demonstrate grace under fire as I worked with my ex-husband for a year in the same department. At least I had an office door that I could close and I did whenever I needed to. My mom had been diagnosed with cancer about a year before my marriage ended. As her condition worsened, I made the decision to once again start all over, this time back in Dayton, my hometown. We had 18 months together, and of course, I wouldn't trade those days for anything. My heart was breaking again, a little bit at a time, as she lost options in her life. She was living with me, excuse me, and I was working part-time and she couldn't be by herself anymore. She couldn't drive and just losing options left and right. And then losing her altogether was really tough. So after I moved back to town, God led me to a wonderful church in Kettering where I joined a few small groups and again formed those all important close friendships, most of which have continued. Community helped me as I continued to grow my faith and devotional life. The woman who organized the small groups at my church had grown up in France with a very devout Catholic grandmother And so my knowledge of Catholic saints, mystics, and authors began to grow. I am what you call an ecumenical Christian. My life has illustrated to me that each time my heart was broken, I experienced and learned a little more about the God who actually does intend me better than I intend myself. My picture of God was at times a nearly blank canvas as I would discard my old picture of the nature of the divine, yet before a fully formed idea took its place on the canvas that is my faith. Although I've been back in the Buckeye State for over 20 years, I still go back to North Carolina to visit dear friends and attend great retreats. And yeah, there's a little iced tea thrown in there. From a woman whose retreats I've been attending for over 25 years, I've received some helpful spiritual direction that along with my reading continues the work of stretching and growing 
and authentic faith. It's a job I'll never finish, for which I'm thankful. God is beyond total understanding, and at the edge of mine is where I'm gifted with faith as yet another new picture is created. For the past three and a half years, I've been working at my favorite job ever, and I've had a few in UD's advancement division, supporting Jen Howe. The atmosphere here at UD is collaborative and supportive, and I credit that to bright yet down-to-earth leaders and a strong Marinist influence. I continue to learn about the Marinists through my participation in a lay Marinist group made up mostly of colleagues across UD. I've also taken a few courses offered through, and I have to read this because I can never remember it, the virtual learning community for faith formation. For me, the learning never stops. In the places where my heart was broken, I found God to be faithful to sustain me. I would like to close with a few scriptures. Psalm 147.3 from the Amplified Bible. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, healing their pain and comforting their sorrow. Also from Psalms 34.18, the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He, saved those, he saves those who have lost all hope. That is from the Good News Translation. Another version of the Old Testament reads, he saves those whose spirits are crushed. And finishing with 2 Corinthians 1.3 from the J.B. Phillips New Testament. Thank God the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is our Father and the source of all mercy and comfort. For he gives us comfort in our trials so that we in turn may be able to give the same sort of strong sympathy to others in theirs. And we're back to the need for community. I told you that's a lesson that keeps on informing. Thank you for letting me have the gift of your time and to share a little of my life. And I have to say it, go Flyers. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was such a beautiful talk and just how you trusted God. And it's just truly amazing. And I love your imagery in your talk too. So um, now we're gonna have a bit of time for questions and answers. Hi, my name is Patricia Thomas and I appreciate Erla for inviting me here tonight. I've really enjoyed my time. Um, Erla, with your talk, it was amazing. Thank you for reminding us that God is a very present help. And my question to you this evening, you've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Is there one in particular that you would tell your younger self? I think that God loves me just more than I can ever believe and accepts me I think that's what I would tell my younger self, because that slogan, God intends you better than you intend yourself, was such a mountain for me to climb. <laughs>
But as the years have gone by, I have learned to come to believe it more and more. God is gracious. And as my friend Susan Parent says, who's also with us tonight, God is good. <laughs> uh, I'm Samantha Evans. I guess, so my question is, you know, it seems like a lot of times maybe your path was rerouted from maybe what you were intending. So I guess, how did you kind of just go along with that? Or how did you kind of like cope with maybe a different, path than maybe what you had originally planned or an obstruction in the path? Yes. Thank you, Samantha, for that question. Um, I think some, several of the things, especially the losses were forced on me and I really didn't have a choice about where the next step was, but I think that probably is how I've coped is just doing the next thing. I've never been a person that had a five-year plan and a 10-year plan and et cetera. Um, I would like to be that person, but that's not who I am. And so I think just taking the next step and trusting that I would be led. Um, and I've heard the illustration that it's easier for God to lead something that's moving than something that is dead stopped. So. I would continue until I couldn't go anymore and then I'd go another direction. I hope that sort of answers your question. My name is Jack. Um, something that I'm curious about, did you find when you began uh, being a part of a lay Marianist community, did you find that some of those charisms and those characteristics were already present in your life were those like characteristics that like when you were introduced to the Marianists that you were already familiar with because of past experiences or um is it something that just you were like oh that sounds neat and then you just jumped into that I think that it's all very um biblical mm -hmm. and so it res it really resonated with me it was new to me as far as having the charism put down in the five areas, mm -hmm. but um, it's something that I keep at my desk. Oh, my desk. I haven't seen it in almost a year, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, 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 just, it, it just rings true to me. And so it was easy for me to say, yes, I, can, I believe that I can follow that. And my lay Marinus group is very accepting. I, I joke that I'm the token Protestant. Um, I also had that same joke when I took a spiritual direction class at Bergamo. Um, I think Father Ted was in that class with me. And um, I, as I said, I'm an ecumenical. I think that um, there's so much richness everywhere. And um, especially that I love that the Catholic Church has preserved the spiritual direction tradition. I just, um, I'm, a, I'm just very blessed by that and um, seek it and find it a, a real avenue to finding out maybe what's next in God's life for me. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, thank you. Hi, my name is Kate, and I was wondering, um, throughout your journey, obviously your path had been so changed, and you just had to trust in God's will, but 
did you ever experience moments of drought in your faith where you kind of just like found it hard to just keep trusting? And if so, how did you kind of cope with that while still trusting that God had the ultimate plan for you throughout it all? I think that in the dark night of the soul, as um, St. John of the Cross calls it, um, not every day is lived on the mountaintop. And I think that um, a big factor in my life has been the fellowship of friends who help remind you um, about the truth about yourself and comfort you and accept you and the truth about God. And I've heard, I don't know the originator, but the idea that you believe in the dark, what you knew to be true in the light. And um, luckily there's always a morning and the night doesn't last forever. But I think other people, when I'm too tired to pray, a friend can pray for me. And um, that community, I, I used to think that if I was really spiritual, I wouldn't need anybody. And boy, was I wrong. That's just not the way. I mean, the Trinity illustrates that. So from the get-go, we can't get by alone, especially when it's dark. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Hi, I'm Shannon. And I was wondering, um, each of the times that you moved and you had to find a new church, kind of how that process went and how long it took you to adjust to that new place or know that it was the right place to be? Sometimes it took a long time. Um, I really um, hopped around some. The church that I now attend, I was attracted to that because of a class that they offered to anyone called divorce care. And through that, I met a small group of friends, um, several of whom have remained. One is like a sister to me. She's so dear. I ended up working for the company that she worked for, for 18 years. Um, and so it's a process. I would visit churches. I would now I would look at their websites back when I was doing some of my searching that wasn't possible. But um, I really didn't look at the name on the door as much as I did um, how they envisioned God and how they communicated that. And especially the church I'm at now, I'm not told what to think. I, as Paul says, I can work out my own salvation. I think Paul said that. Paul said everything in the New Testament. So um, it's a patient search and, um, when I joined my church in Chattanooga, the minister kind of joked that I took my time. I actually attended the church for quite a while before I actually joined. And um, I just wanted to be sure. So I hope that answered your question, Shannon. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Henry. I was just going to ask every time you kind of came into a roadblock in your path um, over the years, you kind of relied on some form of uh, community, as you're saying, or like um, just people. Uh, like a year ago, when everything started happening, how did that kind of change your uh, ability to 
rely on other people? What did you do to kind of cope with everything? My phone really gets a workout, Henry. <laughs> um, and I love texting. It is my favorite thing because my friends can answer when it's convenient for them. I still talk on the phone some. It does make calls and receive calls, but um, I have found texting to be a great way to stay in touch. And um, one of the small groups that I'm in, I have unjoined a couple of them, but one of them we meet monthly and we have a tech savvy person who hooks us up through FaceTime. And so that helps. But I do miss um, getting together in the same room. Um, the group that does FaceTime in the warm months met outside, socially distanced. We would take our chairs to a green space at the church or sit in the parking lot if it was chilly so the sun would hit the asphalt and keep us warm. And um, that that was a help. But as long as it's cold, we'll just do FaceTime. It's a challenge and I miss seeing people and hugging people, you know. It's very different, but it's gonna get better. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. Hi, I'm Maddie. <laughs> Hi, Maddie. <laughs> um, how did you see your like vocation change as you moved and as you like, interacted with different communities and met new people and things like that? Well, um, I decided after I had left Winston-Salem, I really didn't want to manage people anymore. <laughs> That's the thing that kept me up nights, trying to meet needs and be, unfortunately, everything to everybody, um, keeping everyone above me and at my level and people that reported to me all on an even keel. And um, I did not wanna stay in media because strangely enough, when I moved back to Dayton, it's where my ex-husband had moved to. Um, so I didn't want anything to do with media. And that's when I went to work at the company that I stayed with for 18 years. And um, it turned out to be a good opportunity. I realized that I liked assisting a person that had to make a lot of decisions, not making all those decisions myself all day long. And so I became an executive assistant and have stayed with that for many years. And feel like I have a contribution to make. And I told people, and I'll clean this up. <laughs> when, I was, when I was interviewing for my job at UD, I told them I had two things going for me. And I knew these were important because I used to hire people. I said, I have a brain and I give a darn. And those were the things that I found if I could hire a person with those qualities, I could give them the training they needed and they could be a success. But I, can't make, I couldn't make them care and I couldn't give them intellectual ability that they didn't already have. So I found my tribes wherever I went. Okay, well, thank you so much, Phila, for talking with us tonight. Thank we you for the opportunity.
Yeah, we loved your talk, as you can tell by all of the amazing questions that we had. So um, if you would like to be a part of the Agape Latte team or involved in any way or be a speaker um, sometime next fall, uh, you can stay on and we'd be happy to talk with you. Otherwise, we hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you for listening to our Agape Latte podcast today. Agape Latte is sponsored by Campus Ministry and the Office for Mission and Rector.